0: Hello again, Paul. Come in, come into the office. It's it's very good to see you again. Um, look, I'm a little bit excited about our session today because it's 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 quite a big day for us, don't you think? Oh yeah, Dr. Halfling Stoker. But uh, why? Uh, we're getting towards the end of our journey together, looking at your DCOCD. Um, it's... I, I will admit it's been quite an interesting journey. I've I've actually uh, been able to submit to my peers some some quite interesting academic papers for them to review, and you've so you know I must thank you for that. But as they say, all good things come to an end, uh, because I know that today we're going to be talking about the final crisis from the DC Comics—the last one ever. Ah, ah. Uh, well, about that. Hello and welcome to DCOCD, the DC Events Podcast, where we're looking at every single DC event from Crisis on Infinite Earths on Up In Order, and today we have arrived in the year of 2008 and a little crisis that was known as the Final Crisis, so actually not that small. So this was, what, seven issues, four one-shots, uh, maybe five, uh, four mini-series that were tied into it, and there were two issues of Batman. But I am not doing this alone. I'm joined by the man we call Fractures. Um, how are
1: ya? am ah, very good, thanks, Paul. I'm glad to be here. Glad to be here on this episode, the best, the best crisis of all.
0: <laughs> now you campaigned to be on this one, so yeah, well done. Um, but yeah, this is <laughs> this is the crisis that was written by Grant Morrison, the final crisis, um, with art by JG Jones at the start, and then as it went on, it got art by Carlos Pacheco, Jesus Marino, Marco Rudy, Doug Monkey, uh, Christian Alamy, uh, Tom Newen. Drew Garassi, Norm Ratman, Ronnie Ramos, Walden Wong, um, and it was lettered by Rob Lee, Travis Lanham, and Robert Clark Jr., and coloured by Alex Sinclair, Peter Pantazis, and Tony Avina. So, yeah, quite a few people involved with this. Uh, it didn't start off that way. I mean, it's, the art team sort of got diluted as, as it went along, didn't
1: it? Yeah, well, as, uh, as, it, as it became apparent that JG Jones couldn't keep up, uh, with the publishing schedule, I think they had to do something, and people were drafted in
0: anyway um do you do you want to try and tell the people at home what this uh crisis was about
1: uh, essentially uh there was a battle in heaven uh, and between the between the good gods and the evil gods, and the evil gods won and as a result of the battle, the gods fell towards earth um and as they fell towards earth uh they the evil gods uh, uh, cloak themselves in human bodies to escape detection. Now, Dark Side falling to Earth is a big deal, and not just because he's falling to Earth, but because of the fact that he is dragging down uh, creation along with him uh, as a singularity. Uh, but he's setting the place for his final battle for evil to win, and part of this is involves Libra, uh, who is attempting to amass a huge army of supervillains. And the way he does that is by promising them their heart's desire. Uh, and the first person to get their heart's desire is the human flame, who is an old villain of Martian Manhunter. That no one except Grant Morrison remembered. In the beginning of the story, Martian Manhunter gets killed by Libra speared. Um, in the meantime, uh, the monitors are repairing the damage that the count down. Series caused to the multiverse, um, uh, and as part of that, um, they exile Nick Orton who uh, to Earth Zero, which is our Earth, as a punishment. Um, back on Earth, uh, Dan Turpin, who again is an old Jack Kirby creation, is, investi- is and he's now investigating missing children, uh, and he ends up uh, discovering Orion's body uh, instead. Uh, Orion isn't dead yet; he manages to get up and warn. Dan Turpin uh, of the fall of Darkseid and the fact that he is everyone uh, and then finally dies and essentially the Green Lanterns are alerted uh, by the Guardians um, uh, of the Universe, they lock down Earth which is quite cool uh, as it is a crime scene, uh, Justice League is uh, involved as well and Batman being Batman uh, realises that Orion was shot with a bullet that was fired backwards through time uh, from the future into the past uh, this is poo-pooed by, uh, Kraken, who's one of the Alpha Lanterns, uh, who we then realize, or well, Batman realizes that is possessed by, uh, one of the new gods. Uh, in her case, it's Granny Goodness. Uh, so Batman uh, deduces this and as a result is boom-tubed by Granny to Bloodhaven where he is held. Wonder Woman then uh, gets infected by the Mortococcus bacteria when she visits, uh, Bloodhaven. Uh, and fights with Mary Marvel, who's uh, possessed by Desard. Uh, that takes her off the table as well. Uh, Superman uh, is taken off the table by Libra, who arranges for Clayface to blow up the Daily Planet, which mortally wounds Lois. The only thing keeping Lois alive is uh, Superman's heat vision. Uh, the flashes are taken out of this, uh, action by the fact that uh, Batman sends Wally and Jay to Wally, to investigate, uh, the, his suspicion of the bullet, uh, fired back through time. Uh, he's joined by Jay. They then discover Metron's chair and Barry emerges from Metron's chair chasing the bullet, um, uh, with Black Racer following him close behind. Um, so, uh, meanwhile, Turpin is still looking for the children and he finds them in Dark Side's uh, club, which is called the Dark Side Club, which you'd think would be a clue, but anyway, um, <laughs> And uh, Darkseid then transfers his essence into Turpin's body. And he enters up he ends up in Bloodhaven, being welcomed by Julius uh, Godfrey and Macari, um, and, and is brought down into the evil factory where he sees Batman, who asks him to warn everyone, but it's too late, and slowly, slowly starts getting changed into Darkseid. So then there's an interlude where Black Lightning rescues Tattooed Man and his family, uh, he gives Tattooed Man uh, the pattern, uh, a pattern that will resist the force of the anti-life equation. He then tells the justice leaders uh, uh, of the pattern on his face and its importance. Uh, they then get transported to the satellite, the old GLA satellite, as the Hall of Justice is about to come, become overcome by the justifiers. So in Superman Beyond, you go back to the uh, the part where Lois is mortally wounded and Superman declares that he will do anything to save uh, Lois's life. He then gets an offer from Viola Zala, who's one of the female monitors, uh, who says that she will give him a a gift that will allow him to uh, save Lois. And that is actually the bleed, uh, which we all know from uh Whilst uh, the Wildstorm Universe and Authority, uh, but in order for him to do that, he has to join her with her army of superheroes to defeat uh the Ultimate Evil. Uh, so Superman then joins her on the Ultimate Fool, which is essentially the Beatles' yellow yeah, submarine. uh Works or is powered by? Well, it is, isn't it? And it's powered yeah. by it's powered by music and harmonies and frequencies, and all is good. In the meantime, he has the Legion of Three Worlds adventure as well, where he goes, and at the end of that, uh, Brainiac 5 takes him to the weapons room, where he manages to have a look at the Miracle Machine. The Miracle Machine is important for later on, because the Miracle Machine is a machine that is a weapon that is so dangerous because it will grant any the the users' uh, wish, uh, whatever that wish is. Um, but only Superman can be um, trusted to use it. So that's what happened to Superman uh, with regard to Batman. So Batman is being used to create a clone army uh, because he is recognized as the best possible example of a man on the planet, I guess. So, so while Mukari is siphoning off uh, all these qualities to power up their uh, clones, the way they're keeping uh, Batman in play is by using Lump, who is another uh, Jack Kirby creation uh, from The Mr. Miracle comics. And what Lump is doing is that he, Lump is, uh, his power is within the mind, and he creates these number of scenarios which create intense emotional uh, resonance with Batman, which fuel the process of uh, cloning his abilities. But Batman is Batman. Uh, He realizes throughout the number of lives that he is living that uh, he's being manipulated. He manages to, to get Lump to go up and turn the machine off, uh, but not before giving the clones all of his memories. And it, he, the amount of stuff that he carries in his brain is so horrific, the clones just kill themselves, <laughs> which is amazing in itself. Um, so Batman, anyway, escapes. Uh, he grabs his utility belt where he hid the bullet that he had from his investigation. And he has a face-off with Darkseid and, and uh, shoots Darkseid with the bullet uh, in his shoulder. So it's not a killing shot for all the people who say Batman doesn't kill. Uh, but he did infect him with the Radeon, which is toxic to the new gods. Uh, and Darkseid then seemingly kills him with the uh, uh, Omega Sanction. So that's taken Batman out. So um, uh, Mr. Miracle um, arrives at uh, at Checkmate headquarters uh, just as the last uh, battle of, the, of the, um, many of the superheroes is taking place trying to defend the area. And uh, they uh, they then give the message to everyone that they have to paint their face in a certain pattern. Uh, but then Superman returns from his adventures, enters into commandy, and comes out dramatically with uh, Batman's body in his hand. In the meantime, the superheroes accumulated uh, for their final fight in Bloodhaven, but they're confronted by Wonder Woman and the female Furies. And Wonder Woman, obviously, is a carrier for the Mortococcus uh, infection. So she then ca- gives that to everyone and they start losing their powers. So it looks like uh, Darkseid's plan is coming to fruition, he is now Darkseid. And when Superman comes to battle him, Darkseid tells him this point and tells him how, how can he possibly fight Everyone. So as he's enjoying his, uh, his victory, um, Barry and, uh, Wally arrive. Um, so he has taken, he's taken the gun out and he shoots the bullet that is destined to kill, um, kill Orion in the past. Um, and as he shoots the bullet, Wally and Barry, uh, enter the scene, having run at the speed of light with Black Racer uh, following them. And they run past Darkseid and Black Racer arriving uh, at the scene uh, signals the death of Darkseid. And Darkseid then dies, although he doesn't completely die, his essence remains and he continues to drag everything down with him into his uh, black hole singularity. And the only thing that remains amongst everything is the uh, uh, mashing together of uh, the um, Fortress of Solitude, the J.L.O. Watchtower, uh, the Titans Tower, and within this, what is left of humanity. Superman manages to build a machine that that miniaturizes all of humanity and all of the superheroes, so everyone is safe and away. Uh, Darkseid taunts him with his essence, but Superman then kills him brilliantly with a song. But by singing this song, Superman then loses his voice, and there is nothing to be heard because the, the universe is gone. There's nothing left except for Superman and the Miracle Machine. And it's only in that absolute silence that he hears something coming from Metron's chair. And that is the gift of fire, the the element X that he then uses to complete the Miracle Machine. Uh, Superman manages to charge up the machine with his own uh, body's solar energy. And then he makes his wish, which we don't know what the wish is just yet. So the Green Lanterns arrive uh, ready to battle with Mandrak, uh, and then Mr. Miracle arrives with the those annoying teenagers and Sunny Suma, and, uh, and then the zoo crew. Everyone wrote off the zoo crew, but the zoo crew are there for the end to help fight Mandrak. And ultimately, uh, uh, and, I'm sorry, and all the Superman of all the multiverses arrive as well, as they were collected by Captain Marvel in the ultimate group. And Mandrak is defeated, and slowly everything restores to normal uh, because of the wish that Superman made. And we we, we go back to the monitors in the end. Uh, the multiverse has been restored, uh, which is good news all around. Everyone pats themselves on the back. Uh, but Nick Swotton just tells the monitors, this is it, we've had we've had our time now, we've got to stop meddling, we've got to disappear, and essentially they get erased out of existence. As you can see the panels get more irregular and smaller and smaller. And we then find out that what uh what did uh, what did Superman wish for? He just wished for a happy ending. And that's what we got.
0: That I mean that is a, a massive amount of um information about the story. And a lot of that I mean, I literally read the story not three finished reading it about three hours ago and you know there's things that you told me that I didn't realize happened in the story even though I just read it as the story progresses it does get more and more dense and uh less logical and you know it's hard to see all the threads coming together like it it seems to me like uh Grant has a bit of um ADD with his writing at this point Like he's so much stuff is coming in from left field and stuff. I've, I mean, I find uh, this is the second time I've read it, and I thought I might uh, understand it a bit better. And uh, you know, there's on one level I do understand the story. You know, it starts off very straightforward, but then this, you know, there's so much stuff being thrown at you. It's, um, yeah, it it borders on. you know, more than your brain can comprehend it at, at any time.
1: Yeah, see, and, and, you know, I've left out so much, you know, uh, and, uh, you know, he had, you're quite right, he had too many ideas. There's just too many ideas in the thing. I mean, I haven't even touched on the multiverse police force with Ben Montoya, you know. Um, I didn't mention uh, Metron's gift to man. I didn't mention the uh, OMAC uh, soldiers, the use of uh, Brother I, the use of the telepaths. You know, there's there's so much going on, in this. you can just see he, uh, he And look, I love this series, and I read it every year, and every year I find something different. I mean, just this year when I reread it, I I, I so when you so when you've read it as many times as I have, um, you start to focus on other things like the art and stuff, and there are some great scenes where where you know you see you see the the, the Earths all appear in the sky at the end because they're all falling towards earth zero. And um, when the Green Lanterns are trying to get to Earth, they're circling a drain. And in the drain, the rest of the Earth are just circling down towards Earth Zero. I suppose you can read into it as many things as you want. And, uh, you know, there are loads of uh, people who say that there was, a, there was, you know, with Grant, there's always a meta commentary in there. And, you know, the fact that the Monitor was a page, it's like a comic page, you know it's infinite you can do whatever you like with it and then the monitors are people like editors and writers and this is the stories fighting back against them Uh, how no matter what happens everything gets resolved in the end which is normal for all of our events you know there's a lot that you can take in from it but actually uh he he obviously had a load of ideas that he wanted that he hoped would launch off into other things you know obviously he launched multiversity so he used some of them but you know the um those annoying Japanese teenagers, which I really hated and, what were they call the super,
0: super young team. team,
1: so he probably said, "Well, you can take that and go with that and he had things with the atom and there was a you know the Hawk you know Hawkman died again, trying to save the universe, and you know th- there's just so much going on, but you can sort of tie it together with the fact that everything because it, it all it all boils down to dark side, dragging the multiverse down with him. So everything is collapsing. You know, there's a bit, there's a great bit in the, in the, in the checkmate panel. Um, but the, the, the lady who's manning, the uh, manning while the computer says, Switzerland is, it's closer to us than it was before, you know? Yes. And it's like, that's because the whole thing is just, it's just crunching down under the force of this black hole that is dark side. I don't know. I mean, I enjoy it every time I read it, but uh, it's certainly, you know what, the first time I read this, I, I hadn't, I'll i be honest with you, I read it in single issues when it first came out. I had no idea what was going on. <laughs> Nothing made any sense. The the Batman tie-in, I mean, it was so bad that they had to release, um, was it Batman 702 and 703, the tie-ins, as the missing chapter, which sort of started with him falling out of the helicopter, uh, uh, which went down with Dr. Hurt, and then ended with him investigating Orion's um, Orion's death and the, the, you know so the, even he felt that he needed to explain a bit more and <laughs> you know to top it all they added pages to the absolute which made which then made the whole thing make sense so you know the pages with the zoo, with the zoo crew in uh, and the pages of uh, Turpin being restored after Darkseid dies
0: uh, oh, they I haven't thinking... seen those pages that's interesting oh. I mean I brought the first hardcover edition that came out and I have, um, you know, the, Bat- the Batman issues in R.I.P. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, got, I mean, I've got all the Morrison Batman stuff as well. And I had, I mean, I've got the Rogue's Revenge series and uh, Legion of Three Worlds and the the Question. Um, so, yeah, I, I have all the pieces, but I haven't got them in the right order and collected it the right way, so.
1: Yeah. So that's sort of, it's, it's immense.
0: It seems to me it's like a... a f- a fevered um, love letter to Jack Kirby, uh, his Fourth World stuff, because you know there's so much of that brought in, you know. But then there's there's like people riding dogs everywhere and stuff like that, you know. I know,
1: that, I know the Atomic Knights. Yeah, yeah.
0: But then everyone's riding dogs by the end.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, everyone's first love will be a Crisis on Infinite Earth. and that Crisis on Infinite Earth did play out like a reasonably straightforward superhero story. And and it was a great crisis for me to read when I read it when I was much younger. But the great thing about Final Crisis, it makes me think. It makes me look further than just the words and pictures on the paper. Uh, it, it, it's I I struggled uh, with it to understand the concepts and kind of have a handle on things now. And the more I think about it, the more I appreciate. Just the sheer uh, magnitude of the way Grant Morrison thinks when he when he writes, uh, but it's not without it. its its flaws. You know, I still uh, we 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 spend a lot of our time uh, complaining uh, about comics that take us two minutes to read, don't we? <laughs> we do, and and then when we when then when we're faced when we're faced with a comic that makes us think for ages, we complain as well. <laughs> so there's <laughs> no real winning. there.
0: Yeah, I mean. Yeah, Batman R.I.P. was going on at the same time. So, you know, there's, it's like a collision of two epic stories in the one thing. Um, and I think the scale of Final Crisis got so big because, I mean, he had to bring in... There's a two-issue uh, Superman miniseries in the middle of it that's really, really central. And on, on one level, I I get the whole th- invasion and, you know, Darkseid, basically his demise is dragging down everything... Uh, but at the same time, you know, all this monitor stuff—it it really bamboozles me, and I don't find the monitor stuff meshes very well with the original Crisis monitor stuff.
1: No, no, he takes liberties with that, isn't it? It's, all, it's its like there are too many stories in this one big story, isn't it? And each one of those stories could have been a story on their own. Yeah. The Legion of Three Worlds could have been a story on its own. Yeah. Um, the two Batman issues—you um, could have—you could have done all of that in one issue, I would say. You didn't have to go through all the lives, because we'd all been through that, you know, because we'd just read Neil Gaiman's eulogy, uh, whatever happened to, uh, you know, that? whatever happened to yeah. Batman 1.
0: Yeah, well, that's another dimension, is what was happening editorially, like, um, like, it feels like Morrison had this big story to tell, and... Um, Perhaps Dan Di- Didio said, Oh, we can use that. We can do the death of the new gods and we can do the build up of um, the the possession of people by Darkseid and his crew and we'll do we'll spin it all out into this miniseries. We'll have the Darkseid Club, we'll do some soft stuff with that. So I, I get the feeling that Morrison sort of said, all oh, right, you guys are going to handle all that and just left it alone. And then it got handled terribly. You know, the, yeah. the countdown to Final Crisis is, you know, one of the worst events that we've covered. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's badly written, badly structured, and it doesn't mesh well at all with what Grant Morrison wanted to do. I mean, there's a few pieces that work quite well, which is like The Fall of Mary Marvel, Mm. but yeah, there's yeah. very few of them that actually fit into it nicely. So what are your favourite moments of it? Oh, my
1: God. Uh, me, okay, fine. So uh, first of all, what I liked, so if we think about the Green Lanterns, I love the fact that they were, they were treated as a police force, like they've been called the police force of the, of the universe for ages. Um, and, but they actually, you know, they've got a code for the death of a god, uh, they get locked down, as you would lock down a crime scene. They've got their own FBI with the alpha lanterns. So I love that bit. Uh, I love the fact that they they ended up killing Mandrak in the end with a giant stake. That was, you know, I thought that was that was great as well. Um, Batman shines in this. There's no doubt about that. So Batman's Batman's theory about the the time bullet um, uh, was amazing. Uh, the fact that he could kill all of his clones by just giving them all his memories. <laughs> I thought that was an amazing bit as well.
0: <laughs> well, it's, it's full-on Morrison Bat-God stuff where, you know, Batman is sort of infallible.
1: Yeah. And then Superman. I mean, look, Superman. So every time I read... It's like our all-star Superman. You know? So Grant Morrison Superman just has no limits. So he is the one who can, who can read a book that no one else can read. He's the one who can uh, who can get people in limbo where nothing happens uh, to do stuff? You know, um, he's the guy who can memorize a whole machine just by looking for it for a couple of seconds, and then actually make that machine play memory later on. He's the guy who can kill uh, dark side dark side essence uh, with a, a song, and he's the only guy who can power the machine with his own energy, and be the only character in the DC universe to be trusted with a machine that could grant any wish that you wish for. And he makes the right choice, doesn't he? He wishes for a happy ending for everyone. <laughs> you know, anyone else would have wished for a number of other things. So I thought that was amazing. And uh, then, you know, we haven't even touched on the fact that this is the event that brought Barry back. I mean, people are can be happy or unhappy about that, that's different, uh, about Balling being back uh, and Wally being sidelined. But this was the event where he came back. And uh, he comes back, and you just, you just have to think has he been running from the black racer all this time? Is that how he managed to get back? And he didn't actually die uh, in Crisis on Infinite Earth. Has he just been running, running, running? And then he manages to arrive in our universe through Metron's chair and then you have the bit where, and then, and then they manage to kill Darkseid's physical body by running so fast and dragging the Black Racer along with them uh, that they bring the Black Racer to Darkseid, who's already dying from the bullet. I suppose the last bit that I really liked was Talkie Tawny taking down I thought, <laughs> yeah. hey, Didn't you think that was amazing?
0: Yeah, no, it was very cool. I was wondering why Talkie Tawny was there, and then you get that payoff and go, okay, that makes sense. To go along with all this, you get, like, some weird stuff with Rubik's Cubes and, you know, everybody riding doggies everywhere.
1: <laughs> you know, you know, that, you know that, that God equation is a real thing. Is it? As in the, the number of moves, the minimal number of moves that it takes to solve a Rubik's Cube, that is a true thing. You know, we haven't touched on the fact that Animal Man's uh, Monkey, the author of the book in Limbo is one of the few characters who is resistant to the anti-life equation. <laughs> and he's in jail there with Metron, was on the chair, and then this guy. It's just... Oh, I think you're right. There's just too much going on in this. And it's easy, I think, to just read through it at one sitting and not get it and think, well, that was rubbish. Yeah. You know?
0: I, well, you have encouraged me, because I think I will give it another read once uh, DCOCD is... Uh, slowed down as we catch up to uh, the current day. All right, well, I'm going to give you some of the things I liked about it. If it... No, I really like the tattooed man and the way he was used and the fact that one of the defences against anti-life was this circuit that people can draw on their bodies and, uh, you know, the fact that he gets it on his body and hides it um, after Black Lightning uh, gives it to him but uh, is then cap- captured. And I really like the... It's kind of a heartbreaking scene where... Um, Green Arrow sacrifices himself to help everyone get away, and um, Black yeah, Canary yeah. and him are face to face on a teleporter tube as he gets left behind. So some good stuff there. That was that.
1: Yeah, that was that was cool. I, I so that, that was the other thing. You know, if you go back to like the beginning, so he starts the story with the first ever DC superhero in time, which is Anthro. Um, and Anthro meets Metron, and Metron gives him a gift, and you assume the gift is fire because in the next page he has fire with him and he, uh, uh, he gets rid of Vandal Savage. Uh, but actually he gave him the gift of that, but also gave him the gift of the markings on his face. So there's one scene in the thing where, you know, time is, is crunching down and there's a scene where you see Anthro, uh, it's a bit older now, uh, at a fire and behind him, the commandi Statue of Liberty uh, comes up, and commandi is in the background asking him for the gift that Metron gave him, and then he disappears again. And then Anthro then proceeds to paint that the Metron's markings on his face. So that was the that. So I I was wondering, was fire the gift, or was the gift actually the the markings on Metron's face? Because that's what comes up, and that's what protects everyone in the end.
0: There's a lot to process. Anyway shall we try and bust this down with our scoring? (laughs) The way the scoring works is uh, Frack and I will give our scores out of uh, 10 for 4 different categories which are eventiness and writing and art and covers and for the impact and legacy. Um, And we also have uh, someone along as a semi-OCD to give us their scores which we will... um, So they're giving our scores out of 10 and then we'll halve them so we come up with a total that equals uh, something out of 100, hopefully. Uh, All going well. So um, do you want to start on eventiness? Where are you on eventiness?
1: Oh, so, um, right, I'm giving this a 10 on eventiness. There was just so much going on and from my point of view, you know, the stakes were never higher. The stakes have never been higher in any crisis.
0: I, I think something to be really, really eventy needs to bring in all the DC Universe and, you know good tie-ins and uh, you know used really well and i think this is a bit lacking for that because the batman issues are the only real ones that tie in um and then other people played in the sandpit by doing these mini series uh but the rest of the dc universe didn't get to play that much um if you discount all the lead-up garbage so for that i'm going to give it a seven
1: okay
0: now for the writing (laughs) i'm torn on this i i want to give it Like Grant Morrison, he's one of my favourite writers Um, and I think this was a turning point where I got a lot out of his writing and around this time was when I started to get struggle with getting as much as I wanted to out of his writing and I begin to feel a bit uh, dim (laughs) when uh, faced with this sort of uh, Grant Morrison sort of full-on fiction assault really. Um, So for that I'm going to like I'd give him nine normally, but I'll deduct um, maybe two because I I think the the bombardment of ideas just overwhelms me, um, and it it gets worse as the series goes on. Um, so towards the the back half of this series is just it's overstuffed with the, with every idea he can think of at the time.
1: Yeah. So so I mean I don't know if it was obvious from all the talking I've done before, but I absolutely love this, and I continue to love it. And I know I know. I completely uh, get what you're saying about the writing. Um, and to an extent, you need uh, an event to be clear enough that people get a lot out of it uh, when they read it uh, the first time. But for me, um, this is the, this is a gift that keeps on giving. I enjoy it every time I read it and I read it every year. Um, and I get something new every time and I understand the concepts a bit more. So. So, I have a bias towards him, but I have given him a line as a result because of because and this is a personal thing isn't it and this is uh, based on how much enjoyment I get out of it. is that a fair Yes yeah. i'm doing that mine uh so the art the the art I struggle with the art on final crisis um I think uh a lot of the times you have events where creators are put together because they're big names. Uh, but not necessarily looking at the material that they're going to be dealing with, and I love j. G. Jones. I mean, I love his art, but I'm not entirely convinced that he was the best choice for a full-on superhero event. Um, so his art is is good, especially when he's dealing with the quieter human moments, but the actual Grander scale that needs to be uh, shown in these pages isn't really realised, and it gets better as the artists change. And when you end up with Doug Mankey at the end, it's just the art just sings. So uh, I think from an art point of view, I have given it an eight because personally I think they should have they should have chosen uh, a different artist.
0: Well, it's, it's it's a balancing act, isn't it? Because you want to get someone who can um, do something really spectacular, um, but also deliver on time, which is, you know, it's almost impossible for any event. But well, I'm actually right with you on the art. I, I give it an eight too. Um, I I think if I would probably score it higher, but there's a you know there's a bit of a male gaze in the art uh, that comes and goes, and you know I think it, yes. it doesn't need it. You know, uh, particularly with Mary Marvel and, you know, there's there's a very lingering shot of Black Canary getting dressed. and
1: Yeah, I'm trying to gloss over all of that because I just don't want to bring it up none of that stuff. Is, I'm not comfortable with any of that stuff, um, if I'm honest with you. Okay. So, yeah.
0: All right. Now, for Impact and Legacy, um, you mentioned before this is the event that brought back Barry Allen. Um, I have a real problem with that because I, I think Barry could have appeared um, and done exactly what he did and then kept you know, run off again and the fact that they brought him back um, I think there is a flash, there is a, a, one spot in the DC universe for a flash and as soon as you have two there, one's going to um, make the others squeeze out and I think a lot of the woes of DC's continuity um, all come back to Parry coming back um, and I, I think it's a uh, it's a continuity sin to me because I think I think it really ruined things going forward for the DC universe that Barry was back now because suddenly no one knew what to do with uh, Wally and they want Barry to be in his prime so he keeps getting younger and younger in his depictions and that you know once it completely takes away from Wally's legacy and role and to have him existing in the same universe as Barry is just it's impossible um, I've got a similar theory for um, Young Justice and the Teen Titans. They can't coexist because they both take up the same oxygen. Uh, but anyway, so for that, I'd, I'd like to mark down the uh, eventiness a bit. So, I, for that reason, I want to mark down the impact and legacy because I think bringing Barry back and keeping him in the DC Universe was a huge mistake. And, you know, I can see all the consequences of it going forward. And. It's just bad thing after bad thing. So I'm going to give it five for Impact and Legacy. But I think the Impact and Legacy that really endured was the fact that Morrison wasn't done. He still wanted to play with his stuff in Multiversity, um, in his action comics run. You know, he was always coming back to this. And these are things that he was always... They're always there in his writing. Like you said, once again, Limbo is in Animal Man, the monkey's in Animal Man. There's all this stuff that goes all the way through his writing, and it's it's part of his... um, his, you know, thing, and he's doing it, and he's one yep. of the you know most dominant voices, um, in, the DC universe for over many decades. So, you know, fair enough. What about you?
1: Yeah. So, um, well, so I agree. I mean, I agree with you on the on the Barry thing. Um, he absolutely could have just come and disappeared again, and that probably you know, I, that even would have been a better way to end that uh, they have a real problem on their hands now they don't know what to do with Wally uh, for many of us growing up Wally was our flash uh, you know Barry died and Stay died and um, you know ultimately was was a more revered character because he stayed died uh, dead uh, if you know what I mean, and bringing yeah. him back was a mistake. But, you know, uh, but like you said, you know, uh, stuff from Final Crisis did carry on, uh, you know, uh, through into, uh, Grant Morrison's, uh, Batman run. We got Batman Inc., et uh, you know, mentions in more, more recently in DC Metal and The Wild Hunt in the Sideways, uh, project. Yeah, and, and you mentioned, uh, Grant Morrison's uh, New 52 Superman, uh, those two issues, I think it's 10 or 11, I can't remember. Um, And then Multiversity. And then more recently, I'm told that uh, Justice League has a lot of the... uh, uh, takes a lot of the concepts from Final Crisis with the multiple universes, etc. So, you know, there is a legacy, but I've given it a six. I thought that... I don't think it's a huge thing because lots of things change. But, um, yeah, and I'm not very happy about Bowser's return either. I mean, we might get in trouble for this one now, Paul.
0: (laughs) I don't think so. I mean, it's... Yeah, I mean, people recognize that you can't have both. Anyway, um, let's go to our third um, person, who um, Dr. Ange is providing scores for this one. So uh, let's hear from him.
2: Hello, this is Dr. Ange, and I am here to do my semi-OCD about final crisis. Now, I'm going to start this off by saying that I am pretty much a Grant Morrison acolyte, and almost everything that he writes, I'm going to look for the best in, And I also have been with him since Animal Man and Doom Patrol uh, all the way through up to his current title of The Green Lantern. And I've reached a point with his writing that sometimes I just sort of let what he is saying wash over me and sort of experience it as some type of vision or fugue state imagery instead of trying to read it as a linear story. And that is going to serve me very well when I review this story and this crossover, and it is also going to be quite noticeable when you look at my grades. Now, I would probably put Final Crisis, the main title, into the Vanity Project crossover. Yes, this was supposed to have major impact on the DC Universe, Yes, this was promoted all over the place. Yes, it has the word crisis in it. And more importantly, it has that word final. This is to be the final crisis of the DCU. And as such, you would think that this was going to be a launcher or a fixer. But when you read the story, or maybe when I say when you experience the story, you come to realize that it isn't quite coherent enough to fit any of those other categories. This can only be looked upon as Grant Morrison, at his trippiest, just going hog-wild in the mainstream DCU. And as a result, I'm going to put that in the Vanity Project category. You can also see how that Vanity Project can be seen in other miniseries that carry the Final Crisis trade dress. So I will add, in particular, the Final Crisis Legion of Three Worlds miniseries, which was Jeff Johns writing about the multiple legions and, unfortunately, bringing back Superboy Prime as really another vanity project. As someone who has online reviewed that particular miniseries, Legion of Three Worlds, I will tell you, it is soul-crushing to try to review such a dense story that also at times makes little sense. But let's move on to scoring. You guys don't want to hear me waxing poetic about the DCU back in 2008. So the first score will be on eventiness, and I'm going to have to give this an 8 out of 10. When you look, there's not only the main Final Crisis book, but there are multiple miniseries that come out. Superman Beyond, Submit, The Rogue's Revenge, Revelations, Requiem, Resist, that Legion of Three Worlds, even Rage of the Red Lanterns, a one shot that introduces the Red Lanterns into the DCU. And all of these miniseries have particular trade dress on their cover as sort of a main cover, which is sort of standard fare, but then another where the cover is split into three vertical panels, with art only being in the middle panel, and as a result, when you looked at the racks over the course of these months, you really got the sense that there was some main storyline running through the DCU, and it really kind of touched all the corners of the DC universe. Yes, that main story involves Superman and Batman significantly. Uh, we'll get onto some of the details when I talk about writing. But we also had them trying to fix the continuity gaps of the Legion. We had that wonderful Superman Beyond miniseries that really looked at the Superman mythos. And all of these miniseries had covers that were significantly iconic enough to have posters be all over comic book stores. So I kind of feel you felt that there was an event going on back in 2008 and 2009 that final crisis was really impacting the DC universe. Now did it impact the DC universe? We'll talk about that in a bit. For writing, I'm going to have to give this a six overall. When you look at the main storyline, when you look at the Final Crisis miniseries, it is Morrison at his most Morrisoniest. And it took me a while to realize that what Morrison was trying to say here was that story, and I'm putting that in quotes, was what he was trying to deconstruct. So you start out with a pretty straightforward supervillain team-up to defeat the heroes and Darkseid manifesting himself in Dan Turpin. And the first couple of issues actually read relatively straightforward like a comic book. But as you move forward in all of these miniseries, What Morrison is saying is that he's trying to deconstruct the very concept of story and that when you destroy stories, you will ultimately destroy the universe. And you get a sense of that as you read this miniseries moving forward. Things become more incomprehensible. And that's because story is being destroyed. In fact, in the Superman Beyond miniseries, He goes to limbo where he has to get into basically a giant mecca to save the concept of story. And that it is by doing so that he is then able to gather and marshal his forces to then save the universe from Darkseid. There are some wonderful moments in this miniseries. You know, from Supergirl fighting Mary Marvel, who has been possessed by Dasad, to... The Green Lantern spiking the vampire monitor at the very end to Superman carrying a drop of ultra menstruum in his mouth to kiss Lois Lane and save her to my favorite moment, Superman singing a particular music note that utterly destroys Darkseid. So there are things about this that are wonderful in a in a trippy sort of a way um, that I think you have to sort of roll with. But. If you asked me to explain the storyline to somebody, I couldn't do it. And if you asked me to explain the storyline succinctly of that Legion of Three Worlds miniseries, I couldn't do it. And if you told me that things that were supposed to be very important about this miniseries, like the death of John Jones and the return of Libra and, you know, the destruction of Earth, were really not going to be major parts of the story, then you have to kind of take away a few points. If you don't like Morrison's writing and you read this, you would probably give this a zero. But as somebody who has experienced it enough to look for the bright points, again, I'm going to give this a six. An art point of view, I'm going to give this a six as well. That might be a little bit rough. When you look at the people who are actually involved in the art on all of these miniseries, you're talking about George Perez, J.G. Jones, Carlos Pacheco, Doug Monkey, Ethan Van Sciver before we became Ethan Van Sciver. And the art as a whole, looking at each individual issue, is really pretty spectacular. But part of the problem here is that in the main title, J.G. Jones got so far behind that the middle issues are really a hodgepodge of pages by very good artists. And as a result, when you're trying to read this as a, as a story, it just feels quite disjointed. As a result, I just have to knock some points off. I, I don't like the idea of a major miniseries that is supposed to impact the universe entirely not having a single artistic vision. You try to think about something like Crisis on Infinite Earths, where Perez did all 12 of those issues, and when you think about the intricacy of those issues, people should be able to do their job. So from an art point of view, I'm going to give this a six really the lowest score I'm going to have to give here is for legacy. Because nobody can tell you what happened in Final Crisis. And nobody really cares what happened in Final Crisis. Final Crisis happened, and then it went away. And the big points that were supposed to impact the main universe, things like the death of Batman, and the death of John Jones, and the return of Libra, and the death of Darkseid, were all pretty much quickly undone shortly thereafter. As a result, I just don't think that you can say that this had any major legacy to the DCU, and so I'm going to give this a score of 2. So once again, that's Eventiness 8, Writing 6, Art 6, and Legacy 2. I thank you very much for letting me muse over this, and I would just put in a plug for that Superman Beyond miniseries, which is just two issues but is really a little bit more coherent, is really a love letter to Superman in general, and is another one of those sort of drug-addled Morrison stories that is quite worth reading. I look forward to hearing your scores. Thanks. Okay,
0: so mm, thanks for that, Dr. Ansh. It was very interesting talking about the way story is compressing and story is uh, losing all meaning as the story goes on, so that's something I hadn't really thought about. Um,
1: mm, Okay.
0: So that gives us all our scores, so let's do a little bit of maths and add them all up. Oh,
1: hang on, Paul, is it 100? Tell me, is it 100? <laughs> is it 100? Is it a perfect score? Well,
0: you gave it 33, I gave it 27, and uh, Dr. Ange gave it 11, so that brings us a total of 71. So not quite 100, um, but um. Uh, that... Oh, this is interesting. On the on the ladder, that actually ties with the final night. So we've got the final crisis and the final night together. So, um, so okay. we're sitting uh, what thirteenth on the ladder? No, fourteenth on the ladder, tied. So oh,
1: okay, that's well, not as bad as I thought it was going
0: to be. Oh. <laughs> well, I did want to bring. I mean, I always want to bring on fans of an event to talk about an event. I you know I don't want to have you know people who hate an event talking about it unless it's you know one where everyone hates it and you can't find someone who likes it. Uh, as has been the case. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, well, I'll get you to stick around and we'll look at some feedback now.
2: Okay,
0: cool. Okay, so our last episode was the Amazon's attack one, <laughs> for those of you who remember that. Oh, yeah. Um, and we heard from Jeff R., and uh, Jeff said, Congratulations on surviving that one. You probably won't see worse until, unless, you reach almost the present and Heroes in Crisis. Honestly, I think your rubric is a bit unbalanced in a way that favours bad crossovers, giving too many points for art rather than grading more on a curve. DC never puts out anything with art nearly as bad as the worst writing. I'd also grade writing based on the writer-editor team when a project is editorially driven. The best way to experience Amazon attack is probably just to read the countdown issues and ignore everything else. Makes more sense that way and is a lot shorter. Wow, advocating for reading the countdown issues is a way to be shorter. Hmm,
1: interesting. That's not a ringing ringing endorsement, is it? No, it isn't.
0: (laughs) Uh, We heard from Sean Ross, (laughs) as we often do, and he said, Great episode, everyone. It was a smart idea to bring on multiple guests to share the trauma. I am a lifelong comic addict and have bought every event from Contest of Champions in 1982 to Salvation Run. However, the quality of this era of DC books, and especially DC events, was so low that I actually skipped Amazon's Attack. That's like a junkie skipping a Rick James pool party. However, after listening to so many people I respect acknowledge that this book is terrible on your show, I now know that I made the right decision. Love the show, and I'm glad so many people are starting to post feedback on the site. Credits to whoever blazed that trail. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And speaking of uh, Website trailblazers, Tim Price Has chimed in as well oh. <laughs> He said Multiple guests for a mere six issues it. back in my day we read 51 issues of Drek, uphill in Three feet of snow at 120 degrees And sure we hated it, but we were Daggone glad to have it Anything, your dad blasted whippersnappers Sorry, more <laughs> countdown To Final Crisis flashbacks Chugs Dr Pepper, ah I did power through Amazon's attack, and nothing really to add. Ugh, just ugh. I don't even have the energy to question the parts that drove me nuts. I can't put in the effort for it. But the show was super entertaining to listen to. I was driving, and the Married with Comics part made me laugh so hard, I went off the road, ploughed into a field, and crashed through a dozen beehives. Bees, my God. (laughs) Thanks for the fun, as always. (laughs) Sean's a crumb bum. and uh, the last comment we got was from Jimmy McGlinchey and he said another good episode on a not so good crossover I remember that at the time Wonder Woman was just been taken over by Jodie Picoult a New York Times best-selling author and think it was a shame to have her work having to cross over in such a poor storyline the only way the granny goodness reveal makes sense is to think of Amazon's attack as an offshoot to Countdown to Final Crisis thereby the reveal merely serves to feed into the Countdown story all in all, Wonder Woman-centric crossovers have not done well. War of the Gods and Amazon's Attack will probably be in the bottom cellar of your leaderboard when all is said and done. Anyway, looking forward to seeing how you try and make sense of Grant Morrison in the next DCOCD episode. Hmm, so you've heard how we done now. Yeah. I
1: can't, I can't remember reading Amazon's Attack.
0: Oh, good. Lucky yeah. <laughs> anyway, thanks, Frack. Thanks for coming on board to share this one.
1: My pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, and if people want to get in touch with you online, where would they find you?
1: Oh, I'm on Twitter at fractures. Uh, that's probably the only place that I am.
0: Yeah, well, uh, long-term listener, you know, and great to have you involved. And certainly, oh, know, thank you. Really appreciate your passion for this series, and uh, you know, I think it's motivating me to uh, give it another go um, on a more regular basis. Anyway, we gave this one a score of 71, so if you want to see the scores on uh, the ladder in uh, all their orders, etc., head on over to WaitingForDoom.com, our website, where we have the DCOCD ladder. You can look at it in uh, episode order or rank order and um, yeah there's links to all the shows there if you just see one you think oh I'd like to hear that one etc um, yeah give it a try it's a, it's a great little website and also we're running an excellent competition on Waiting for Doom so uh, this is the Doom Patrol podcast we're doing straight after this and uh, so if you listen to the last episode of Waiting for Doom um, there's the competition details so check that out you can win something pretty amazing anyway that's all for now thanks everyone
2: thank you